So please help us, okay? That's just like a side note, all right? Thank you, sister, again for your amens. It is awesome, girl. You're doing your thing today, girl. Happy New Year to you, all right? So um, the 2020 vision, this is, this is very important, okay? I, I, I want to point this out to you. I'm, I'm naming this with 2020 vision because um, if you know anything about 2020 vision, if you are up, trying to that word, um, it means that 2020 means perfect. The perfect vision. The perfect vision. I want to help you see clearly in this new decade. You see, for some of us, we have had a rough 2019. We have had some shortcomings. We have fell short of the glory of God, because that's what the Bible says we all do, right? But my goal today is to help you see clearly so that you can be who God has caused you to be in this new decade. Amen, church. Yeah, that's my goal. So I, I, I titled this the 2020 Resolution. So if you're taking notes, you definitely want to write that down. It's in your note paper. Please follow along with me in the notes. Um, the 2020 resolution. The goal of the 22 resolution is to give you a clear resolution that leads to you living a life that's pleasing to God. Because ultimately, that's the goal. Everything we do on this earth um, is going to dictate how we live on the other side of our life. What you do today determines how you live tomorrow. We believe that. Pastor Pete says it this way. He says, um, the life you live today is preparation for eternity tomorrow. Amen. I love when he says that, all right, because it's the truth, right? So I'm going to be reading from Colossians, okay? I'm one of those old folks, traditional people. Yes, I look young, but I'm very old at heart. Um, so my wife will tell you that as well. So I'm going to have you stand for the reading of God's Word. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to me to 1 Colossians. I know it's on the screen, but I'm asking you to read along with me for those that have Bibles and for those that have your iPhone, go ahead and click the button. Colossians, you're there in one second, okay? So please open up your Bibles with me and turn to me with Colossians, to Colossians 1, verse 9 to 14, and we'll be reading from God's um, holy word, all right? If you found it, please say amen. Yeah. You're like, I got an iPhone pass up. It's there. For those of us that are still searching in our Bibles, please say, hold on. I'm holding on. Don't worry. I'm holding on. I'm holding on for my traditional folks. They have paper going. I, I just love the sound of Bible flipping. Anybody, anybody, like, like when the Bible flipping, you remember, like, back in the days, I used to be young, I used to hate church, and the Bible used to go, I'm like, ah, oh, here we go again, the Bibles, right? I'm going to go ahead and read. For those of us still searching, just go ahead and pick your neighbor's Bible and say, I'm, I, don't, I don't care what you say, but I'm sharing with you. Go ahead and tell them that. All right? In Colossians 1, it says, this 9, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit. Listen to that. He says, fully pleasing. Then he goes on to explain what that looks like. He says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and a forgiveness of sin. I'll say amen for that, somebody. Amen. May God um, add to the reader and the hearer and doer of his holy word. May you please be seated in the presence of the Lord. All right. So one of four points today, if you're taking notes, is how to live. So this message is basically a message on how to live a life that's pleasing to God. OK, so the first point in order to live a life that's pleasing to God, it's imperative that you understand that the life that pleases God is one that bears fruit. The scripture says in first Colossians, bearing fruit in every good work. Okay, Pastor, I get the bearing fruit. What does that look like? I'm glad you asked, okay? We have a picture here, illustration um, of a fruit tree. I'm not an artist, so therefore the, the fruits looks like, I don't know, um, please don't blame me. Um, blame my wife. Blame me for everything. Um, that's how it usually works. All right. No, I'm joking, honey. 
All right, so you have three trees here, right? And in these three trees, you will see a depiction of three different type of people, okay? Now, every single person, whether an unbeliever or a believer, falls into this category, all right? Now, for those of us who never accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you, I would just, I would just like to um, present to you your tree. Okay, now I'm not saying that this tree cannot be repaired, but what I am saying is that Jesus is the only way, only one who could take a bad tree and make it a good tree. Okay, in other words, when you become, when you were a bad tree, when you was born into this world in sin, the first, because of the first Adam, you were bad. Because of the second Adam, we became this tree. Okay, this tree is the tree that's not a good tree or not a bad tree. This is the tree in its infancy stage. Please excuse the big tree because I believe there's a lot of us that's big because of the maturity level and because of our age, but we're still not bearing children. We're still babies in Christ. Hmm. You guys didn't catch that. Um, but this, is, this tree right here is an illustration of a, tree, of a person that first comes to Christ when they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, Jesus never designed the tree not to bear fruit. So many times in Scripture, the tree wasn't bearing fruit. He said, strike it down, burn it down. That tree cast it away because it's not bearing fruit. God's plan for me and you is to be a tree that bears fruit. So our goal in 2020 isn't to be a, a tree that bears bad fruit or isn't to be a tree that bears no fruit, but to be a tree that's mature and bearing fruit. Pastor, what does that have to do? Why is this important? I'm glad you asked, okay? If you know anything about fruit, according to Webster, fruit is the sweet and fleshy product of a tree or other plant that contains seed. Okay, that part is good, but this is one of the most important parts of this, of this definition. And can be eaten as what? Food. In other words, when the Bible tells the Christian to bear fruit, what the Bible is telling the Christian is, I need you to bear fruit so that others can eat. In other words, I'm telling you that I need you to be the light of the earth. I mean, I need you to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, so that others can see me and glorify me in heaven. That's what it's saying. So when Jesus tells us to bear fruit, what Jesus is saying is that the fruit of a Christian produces, um, and produces are like the attitudes and behavior a person produces that others can experience. In other words, God created you to tell some people about God, church. When God created you, he created you for two purposes, to know him and make him known. That's it. He didn't make you to, to, to make yourself. He says, when I created you, I created you to give me glory. I need you to understand something. John Piper says it best. He says, God is most glorified and magnified when we're most satisfied in him. Yeah, that's the mentality, right? So we need to be people that bears fruit. And he tells us more in Galatians. Paul goes on, he emphasizes and talks about the fruit, okay? The fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the world. He says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. He says sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fist and rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and like. I warned you I did before that those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul's saying that the fruit of one that lives in the world, the fruit of one that hasn't surrendered to Christ, the fruit of one that doesn't put Jesus first will ultimately bear this fruit. And then he goes on to say that basically when those seek me first and put me as a priority and, and aims to bear fruit in 2020, the fruit of their spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. I go on to say in Galatians 5, I love it because I believe in Galatians 5, Paul gives us the remedy to bear fruit. 
He gives us a deeper um, explanation on how the Christian is called to bear fruit. He goes on to say Galatians 5, I think I say, walk by the Spirit and you will produce good fruit. That's what it says. It just says that directly, but what Paul is saying is when you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. You won't produce bad fruit because for the flesh desires what the bad tree desires, what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not able to do whatever you want. This is what I believe. I believe that every person in this room, whether unbeliever or believer, desires to live a life that's noble, a life that's, that's, that's seen as wonderful and successful and prosperous. I believe that the believer wishes to live a life, every believer wishes to live a life that's pleasing to God, right? So the Bible clearly says that, in, in other words, what, what Paul is telling us, Paul is saying, listen, you can't serve the world and serve God. Because the world and what Jesus wants is in constant conflict. The Bible goes on and says that you will love one and hate the other. They're contrary. They're contrary. So if we really desire in 2020 to be Christians that bear fruit, we need to walk by the Spirit. Pastor, what does that mean? Walking by the Spirit is making a conscious decision to follow Jesus in His ways, not day by day, not hour by hour, not minute by minute, but second by second. It's, it's, it's the Christian making a conscious decision and saying, Jesus, it's your way or no way. I remember the Tom and Jerry cartoon in the days that had like the devil here and a good person here. He'd be like, oh my gosh, devil, no, I don't want to do it. Like, don't do it. Do it. No, do it. Do it. I believe that's how our Christian walk is every day, every second of our life. Do it. I really want to, uh, no, I shouldn't. Pastor Barnabas said, don't do it. No, not about me. Jesus said, don't do it. That's what it's about. And, he's, and Paul says that. This is how you bear fruit. When you make a conscious decision to follow the Spirit and walk aligned with God every day, every second, and then the Christian will be a tree that bears good fruit because the Spirit gives good fruit. The flesh gives bad fruit. And he says that by their fruit, you will recognize them because the good tree bears good fruit, the bad tree bears bad fruit. In other words, when the world sees you, when the world sees your fruit, they see your heart. They see your heart. Your fruit is a clear indicator of your heart condition. Your fruit is a clear indicator of what you love and what you stand for. I believe that. So we need to be Christians that says in 2020, God, I don't care what's going on. God, I don't care what the flesh wants, but I'm going to say yes to God and no to the world. Can we say that? There you go. We're getting somewhere. That's what we need to say. Matthew tells us that produce fruit in keeping with repentance because the Christian is not perfect. We're constantly in a state of repentance. And he's saying that you produce fruit according to your repentance. You produce fruit according to your heart. Meaning that if you say, God, please forgive me for X, Y, Z, you're saying, okay, God, now I'm going to produce fruit according to that repentance. Because we know that when you repent, Christian, it's changing direction. When you repent, it's not doing the same thing. Well, when a Christian repents, it's missing a mark and saying, God, I'm making 180 turn and I'm walking in a different direction. That's true repentance. Because I don't know um, the world we live in, but the world we live in, it tells us the grace of God is so good. Don't worry about the grace of God. Man, hyper, listen, let me tell you about, let me tell you about grace. Grace is real, but so is sin. And sin kills. 
And if we truly desire who God has called us to be, we need to be Christians that stand firm on the foundation of God and what God already says and say, God, I know I missed the mark. I know I fell short. But Lord, I'm telling you right now, God, I'm going to need your power and strength. Lord, I'm going to change direction. I'm going to fight and walk by the Spirit and say no to the world and yes to God. I get an amen for that one. That's when you say amen. Amen, church? Thank you. All right. So how do we do that? Okay. The Bible is clear. It says this. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Listen to this. No fruit can what? Bear fruit by itself. So there's some of us right now who sits in the room and says, Pastor, I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to do this thing in 2020. I'm going to do, let me tell you something. You can do nothing. The Bible says that you can do nothing, but Christ can do everything. And if you truly believe that Christ could do it, I need you to understand that you can't do it by yourself because you must remain in the vine, then you can bear fruit. In other words, you need to walk by the Spirit, yes to God, no to the world, and say no and say yes to God and draw near to God. The answer isn't doing more, doing more, I'm going to tell my, no, the answer is drawing near to God, and He'll draw near to you, draw near to God, and He'll guide you where you need to go and bear fruit. Love the amens, by the way. All right, so number two, take a note, you need to write this down. The life that pleases God is one that consistently grows in the knowledge of God. The key is consistently growing. I was just says growing in the knowledge of God. Okay, so dealing with youth, let me just say that there's a lot of misconceptions when I tell them you need to grow in Christ. Okay, so um, I want to present to you the, miscon- the biggest misconception that as Christians not only you have when it comes to growing with God. Let me just say what it's not. Growing in the knowledge of God is not the same as seeking to learn how to get more from God. We live in a generation that says, God, I'm going to read more. I'm going to go to church more. Now you've got to bless me more. The more, God, the more I know about you, the better it is. Um, um, the, um, the more good I get, the more, God, the, the, the more good you'll give. You see, God is not a do good, get good type God. In fact, I'll, I'll present you that he's not a do bad, get bad type God because he's gracious, sufficient, even in your weakness, he's made strong, right? I will say to you that do not get the misconception that because you study more, because you read more, God is going to do more. It doesn't work that way. And also, don't get the misconception that growing in the knowledge of God is the same about knowing about God. Because let me just say this. I'll make it real short. When I was in seminary, the first year my wife would tell you, I had this, like, this, 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 this power drive of learning more about God. I'm going to study more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to get knowledge more. I was reading the um, systematic book of theology book, learning, and then my marriage was falling apart. I was doing this and doing that and doing that, and then I wasn't spending time with my son. I want to learn more about God and get this, and then... Everything else is falling apart, but the truth of the matter is I didn't understand that it's not about learning more about God to get more knowledge and get more from God, but it's about knowing about God so that our relationship in God could grow. Because we learn about God to not only uh, uh, have head knowledge, but we learn about God to have heart change. When it says growing in the knowledge of God, it's saying, this is my definition, okay, you won't find it nowhere else, it's the unquenchable desire for biblical truth that leads to sanctification, that's the goal sanctification and godliness. So if there's no sanctification in your, in your head knowledge, if there's no godliness that's coming in transformation, then my friend, I'm afraid you're just learning words. And I put unquenchable because growing in God never stops. For the rest of our lives, until we leave this earth, our goal is to grow. You will never ever get there. As a pastor, I'm growing every single day. I lost my brother yesterday, but one thing I had to learn is that God is still good at church. 
Yeah, y'all clap when I get excited because, because, because stuff is going to happen and God's going to be teaching us stuff every single day. And we must be open to growing in God. In fact, in 2 Peter, it tells us that, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, he says, be on guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall. He tells us, in order for you to stand strong, in order for you to be who God has caused you to be, in order for you to secure your position in God and be who God has called you to be and continue to grow, it says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. Meaning that continue to seek out God and to know God so then it leads to sanctification and help you be a better person so that the Word of God, the Spirit of God, will transform your heart and help you become who God has destined you to be in 2020 and for years to come. That's what it means. And it says, how do we do that, church? First Peter 2 tells us, like newborn babes, meaning that we're always in a state of being made new. He says, like newborn babes, because there's some of us who have big heads that feel like, I don't need it because I'm already, no, let me tell you something. At one point, we're all like newborn babes. He says, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. This is one of my life scriptures, Joshua 1 and 8. And then it tells us, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. This word is what? Meditate. On it day and night, and you will be careful to do everything written in it, because then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. Everyone, everyone wants to be prosperous and successful, but no one wants to meditate. I want prosperity. I want success. I'm here to tell you that God hasn't promised you prosperity, rich, or the riches and big houses, but God has promised us prosperity and success in the spirit. When God tells us, I want, to, I want to make you successful and prosperous, he's talking about the spiritual success that comes from us being in right standing with him. In Psalms, he says, the meditate on his word day and night, and you'll be like, uh, like trees by planted by streams of water in this due season will, will produce fruit. That's the goal. How? Reading God's word. This year, oh, we need to make a commitment to, to growing in God's knowledge by reading God's word. Having a healthy, um, quiet time with God. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes for beginners, two minutes, whatever it may be. Some minutes is better than no minutes. Devotionals. My wife reads one every morning. Um, I'm not a devotional type guy, to be honest with you, but she reads it every morning. She sometimes screams out the rest of so I can hear it in my sleep. Um, it's kind of weird how she does that, but I still love her anyway. Um, yeah, she, does, she, she really does that. She's one of those women that love God, and she just reads it in the morning out loud for everyone here. Me and my son, we're like, Mom, get out of here. We're trying to sleep. Right? So, and there's life groups. If you don't know, every Wednesday we have life groups here at the Bridge Church. It's not an advertisement, okay? This is the truth. I am confident that if every single one of us in this room wants to take part in the life group, that this church will look radically different. Because the church has not called us only to come to church on a Sunday and hear a good word and go home, but he's called us to live life together. Yes. And if you're not living life with other believers, you can never grow and be who God has called you to be. Because in life, you're going to have hard times. And sometimes the wisdom of others, God uses other people to get us what he has called us to be. So I'm challenging every single one of us in this room today to, to, to maybe stop by the next step booth today. It may be a long line, but I'm guarantee you I would get almost every person on this staff and every, want every deacon in that line to get you signed up for a life group. Because I believe this, that the life group is one of the most important parts of our faith. Christian coming to church every Sunday is one part of it. It's good. You hear good work. But if you're not living life with someone else, you're actually dying. Hey, listen, you can't be the church if you're not part of the church. And, and, and that doesn't happen on a Sunday. It happens on a life group when you live in life with people. Amen, church? Amen. 
So please, my goal is to have half of this church sign up for Life Group by the end of this service. So if you can, please help me to accomplish that goal so that we can see our church grow and be all who God has called us to be as a church body in one. All right. And we need private worship, public worship and fellowship. OK, I said it this way. The life that pleases God is one that desires to know more about God so that they can know God better through relationship. All right. The third point, if you're taking notes, I'm pressed for time. So I'm going to go ahead and get you through this a little bit. The life that pleases God endures troubled times and is patient. And it's patient. And it's patient. Let me say it this way. The life that pleases God remains hopeful and doesn't give up in 2020, not allowing 2019 to dictate their life going forward. For some of us, 2019 was hard. We felt like giving up. We felt like throwing in the towel. We felt like we lost our faith. But I'm here to remind you that hard times are going to come. My mom says it this way. She says, either you're going in a storm, either you're in a storm or coming out of a storm. Storms are part of life. Yes. 2019 had a lot of storms. I told you, I just had a storm just last night when I buried my brother. But I'm confident because scripture tells me, I have told you these things so that in me, you have peace. That in this world, you will have trouble. See, we tend to hold on to all the good promises. God will never leave you or forsake you. God. How about the promises for trouble and pain? See, oh, pastor, you can't say that. Oh, people will turn from God and not come to church. Someone. Nobody wants that. The minute we start getting in trouble, it's the devil. What? This is what God tells them. It's not the devil because God allows some of these things. Now, it's not always God, but what I'm telling you is that when you go through trouble and hard times, God sometimes allows those things. Now, is it to, to, to test your faith? And maybe what you went through for, in 2019 was setting you up for 2021. You see, whenever I look back on the hard times and the troubles I went through, the troubles in my marriage I had at one point, I see it today, and I'm like, God, thank you for those troubles, because now, man, those troubles have made our marriage stronger than it has ever been. Amen. But when I was in it, I'm like, God, I want to quit. I am out. I'm packing my bags. I'm out of here, right? But now, like I said, God, thank you for those troubles, because in those times, me and my wife went to therapy. We hung out with some awesome therapists. God healed our marriage, and now we're helping other married couples find their way, because God used that as a testimony. Maybe what you went through in 20, 20, 2019 wasn't for you, but it's for somebody else. And God tells us that you will have troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world, and therefore I will help you get through it as well. That's an amen moment. Amen! Right? That's an amen moment. Because somebody right now, like I said, my brother, we prayed, was dealing with cancer. Someone is, we deal with stuff. We go through stuff. But see, the one thing about the Christian that separates from the world is that they go through it alone, but we go through it with Jesus. And we just like, God, we got it. We got it, Jesus. We go with you. Right? Because that's how the Christian life is. That's what we're called to do. So Colossians tells us this, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, not your might, not your power. Your strength comes from the Lord because when you're weak, he's made strong. So that's how we get through, right? So that you may have great endurance and patience. See, it's real easy to wait through the pain when you know that on the other side there's peace and joy. It's real easy to go through some stuff and be like, man, God got it. God got it. Because the remedy is trusting God. If you want to get through some stuff and be okay with it, you need to adapt the perspective that God got it under control. God got my back, so I'm not going to stress about it. Pray about it, leave it, and give it. Because we know that God is in control. We know that God only does what's good. We know that he never makes a mistake, and we know that he never gives up on us. So we trust in God. We trust in God. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your understanding, all your ways, acknowledge him, he shall what? 
Direct your path. He will guide you. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us what you have because God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Can, 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 can we get excited? Can we say amen? He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even though it looks dark, even though it looks hard, even though you feel like giving up, even though you have cancer, even though you lose your job, even though you're going through a divorce, I will never leave you or forsake you. There are going to be times in 2020 when you feel like giving up. But I'm here to remind you that in 2019, when you felt like giving up, God was still there. He was still there. Through the divorce, God was still there. And the last thing I need us to do is understand the call to give thanks in every season. That's what Gibbs said, give thanks in every season. And despite 2019, I need us to be a church that give thanks. The attitude of gratitude could do a lot for us. We give thanks for two reasons. One reason is because it's God's will. I stand before you and I give thanks in 2020, not because everything's all right. I just lost my brother. I'm hurting right now, but I'm still going to give thanks because God is still good. Because God is going to get my family through. Because I know that I'm not doing this alone. I don't know who needs to hear this message today. I don't know who's going through pain. I don't know who's going through the I don't know who this message is for, but God is telling some folks today that despite what you're going through, it may look like a setback, but it's a setup. That's what God's saying today to you. God's saying, your 2019, it may have been dark, but your 2020 is going to be bright. Because if you're still here, you're here for a purpose. God's not done working on you. God's not done getting you through. And someone needs to hear that today. And I'm here to tell you that God is saying, keep fighting, keep pushing, keep trusting, and keep rejoicing always. The Bible says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, not some circumstances, not when it's all good, but when it's dark, when it's bright, when it's hard, when it's easy, when it's light, when it's heavy, I need you to give thanks. And then we give thanks because the Lord was good in 2019 because you're here today and he's going to be good in 2020. Yes. Do you believe that, church? Yes. going to be good. The Bible says, for God, God, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. So the question you probably be asking our pastor, so what's next? I, I know I got to bear fruit. I know I need to give thanks. I know all of these things, but so what's next? I'm glad you asked. I want to take a second, and I want to say goodbye to 2019. I want to do it with my church family, the people that matters most. I want us to stand up. Can we stand, please? And I want us to think about a couple of things. One, I always want to start with a spread of thanksgiving. I want us to think about what were you thankful for in 2019? I know you had some hard times, probably because it's all the bad times, but I want you to take a second and think about the good times. What were you thankful for in 2019 that God did it only he could do? I'm telling you before, he said it before. He did it before, he'll do it again. Right? But then I want us to think about areas of life where we lack putting Jesus first. 
I think it's a good time for reflection for us to look back on our lives and say, God, in 2019, I wasn't who you have called me to be, God. In 2019, I wasn't the best husband, God. In 2019, I wasn't the best Christian, God. There's times I stepped out of my marriage, God. There's times that I had drunken nights, God. There's times that I was doing what I wasn't supposed to do. But God, in 2020, I want to be different. I want to live a life that's pleasing to you, God. I want a life that brings you glory, God. I want this little light of mine. I want to let it shine. Yeah, and then I want to think about how you can improve in 2020. Because whether you believe it or not, I don't care if you're a seasoned saint. I don't care if you're a beginning Christian. I don't care if you just gave your life to Christ today. Amen. Because I believe that this message is going to bring some people to Christ today. Amen. So if you're unbelievable, I believe some people are going to start believing today, right? So I don't care where you're at. There's always room for improvement. Always. Always. So and then I want us to end this service by saying, hello, 2020. Turn to your neighbor and say, hello, 2020. Hello. Turn to your neighbor who's not talking, who's not smiling and say, be thankful, hello, 2020. All right? Because the truth is this. Miss Sonia, I love Miss Sonia. She's our publication director. She makes all of these cool things happen. Um, she is God's gift to this church. I say that. I don't say that. Um, Mostly, but I say she's an awesome person. Um, many of the things you see, the beautiful stages and the things we see here is done by her. So can we just praise God for her and her faithfulness? It's, I think it's awesome. All right? She, she, she made this card for us to put there. I told her because me and my wife have decided to carry around a small little card with these things for 2020. Now, I'm not asking you to be like us. I'm asking you to be like Christ. So please join us this year and just remembering the ultimate goal is to put God first and the only way we can do that is by bearing fruit, growing in knowledge, enduring the trouble and giving thanks and this is how we live a pleasing life to God. I want you to read this every morning, pull it out, remind yourself, hang it on your mirror and say, God, this is my 2020 vision. This is the best vision. This is the best resolution. And when I'm doing this, I know you'll give me everything that I need. Amen. That's it. That's it. And God, the rest is a bonus. If you give me the more, I'll take the house. I'm not something, I'll take the house, I'll take the money, I'll take the promotion. That's the bonus. I, I, I want it, right? But ultimately, if you give me what I need, God, I'm satisfied and I'm content because I'm thankful for what you're doing. Can I pray for you? Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for today. I thank you for these, 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 these beautiful people, God. I know that you're going to do something awesome through them in 2020. 2020 is going to be the year for the bridge. It's the year where we see growth. It's the year where we see um, a multiplication. Um, not in numbers, but in the spirit. <laughs> going to be good at 20. God, I know something's going to happen that's awesome, God. I pray for our life groups. God, I pray for, for our pastors. I pray for our, our members. I pray for those that are sick. I pray for those that are broke that need more money. God, that you bless them as well. God, I pray blessings and blessings for us in 2020 that you do something that only you can do and miracles all over this place. In Jesus' name. Amen, church.